we started on Friday night when we were talking about the blood covenant. And uh, I'm just going to give you a quick rehearsal of what the blood covenant was. From Exodus chapter 2, verse 23 to verse 25, it says this, During that long period, the king of Egypt died, and the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. Now God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant. It was a covenant that was enacted through the shedding of the blood of animals. And it was God who initiated that covenant. So he remembered the covenant that he had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God always remembers his covenants. And the covenant of the blood of Jesus speaks of better things than the covenants of the Old Testament. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned with them. You see, Jesus was bound, or rather, God was bound to the covenant. He was in a position where because he had sworn or gave his own name as a surety of the covenant, which means a guarantee of the covenant, that he would help Israel whenever they were in distress. As long as Israel kept the covenant, there was no sick people among them. God was always their protector. There was never a barren wife. No babies ever died. They didn't have hospitals or doctors like we do. No young men and women ever died. There was no aneurysms, no, no cancer that would afflict a person whenever they're just in, uh, young adults. No allied armies, no matter how many of them there were, no allied armies were ever able to conquer even one little Israeli village. Because God was their protector. God was with them. This was the promise that came of the covenant. In fact, whenever they were in the wilderness, God provided water for them. To get into the wilderness, it meant that the Red Sea had to part. These were miracles. The nation of Israel was known as a nation that received the miracles of God. When they were wandering in the wilderness, they had fire at night to direct them. They had a cloud to cover them so that they wouldn't perish from the sweltering heat of the sun. They had water. They had manna. They had bread from heaven. They had everything they needed. And that was an Old Testament covenant that was based on the blood of animals. Now we come to the book of Hebrews. And this is the second slide. And the, the book of Hebrews is a book of contrasts. First of all, it contrasts Moses and Jesus. And then it contrasts Aaron, who was the high priest, and then Jesus, who is the new high priest. It contrasts the blood of bulls and goats and the blood of Jesus, the blood of Christ. There's two tabernacles in the book of Hebrews. It talks about the old tabernacle, which was called the place of meeting. It was where God met with his people. 
It was a specific place. Later it was a temple. But this was the place of God's immediate presence. But then when we come to the New Testament, we find that the tabernacle is a heavenly place where God sits on the throne with His Son, Jesus, who ascended because He shed His blood, which was perfect blood. He died a perfect sacrifice, and no other sacrifice would ever need to be made for sin. Now this morning I want to focus on one example uh, that comes from the book of Hebrews. And it's also based upon the book of Leviticus and other Old Testament passages, but there are so many examples. There's just so much you could talk about under this idea of the blood covenant, the comparing it from the Old Testament to the New. I'm just going to do one thing this morning. Leviticus chapter 16, verses 6 to 10. And this is, these are the directions that God is giving to the priest. And the priest was Aaron. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering. So here's a, an offering for sin. And, it, and the blood that was shed was that of, a, of an animal, which is for himself. You see, Aaron, though he was a priest, he had sin and needed to be forgiven. And make atonement for himself and for his house. And I want to talk to you about what atonement is for a moment. The word atonement doesn't appear in the New Testament. It's an Old Testament word. And what atonement is, is the darkness of the human heart, even for a priest like Aaron. For me this morning as a pastor, this can represent my heart. Black. I'm just a man. Though I'm a preacher of the gospel, I'm a sinner. No different than anybody else. And I need to have something happen to be able to somehow compensate for my sin and allow me to have a relationship with God. So what happened is the animal that was slain and the blood that was shed covered the dark, black heart of the priest. You can't see it, right? You know what's on this pulpit. You can see the blood that's covering it but you can't see the dark heart. Now, he shall take, where are we here? Yeah, he shall take uh, two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Tabernacle means the place where God dwells. It's where he met with people. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats. Okay, so two goats were required. There was a bull that was uh, slain for the sins of the priest, and now there are two goats, one lot for the Lord, and the other lot for, and listen to this, the scapegoat. Uh, Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell. In other words, this was a goat that would be slain, its blood would be shed, and it was for the people of Israel. And offered as a sin offering, but the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat, shall be presented alive before the Lord. Now this is very interesting. To make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Uh, and you say, well, what, what's that? Well, let's read another passage. 
um, Leviticus 16, verses 20 to 22. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, atonement was so important, sins were many, the sins of the priests, the sins of the people, even the sins of the high priest, they had to be covered, they had to be atoned for, so animals had to be slain. And when he had made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting, and the altar, he shall bring this live goat, or this scapegoat, and Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat. Hmm. Confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel, and all of their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat. And he shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. And the goat shall bear on itself all the iniquities to an uninhabited land. And he shall release the goat into the wilderness. Wow. So Aaron takes the many animals. He sacrifices them for himself. He sacrifices them for the people. He sacrifices them for the, for the furniture that was in the tabernacle or the place of meeting. There was all these blood sacrifices. But then God said, there's one animal you won't sacrifice, and he's the scapegoat. And what you're going to do is you're going to transfer, because you see, we didn't get rid of sin. All we did was atone for it. We just covered it up. Because the Bible says in Hebrews, it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. And so, this to represent what was happening, all of the transgressions, a transgression is a violation against the, God, the law of God. All the iniquity, which is the condition of the human heart that causes us to commit sin. All of these things were placed by the priest's hand onto this goat. Now, the poor goat had no idea what was happening to him. All he knew was that there were some hands on his head. And I don't know if the goat actually felt the burden that, uh, that was actually happening of all the sins of all these hundreds of thousands of people being placed upon him. And, and he didn't understand why this man was carrying him or leading him out into this very barren wilderness. And when he got to a place where nobody dwelt, he let the, let the goat go. He let him go. Now there's some powerful symbolism here. And we have to ask the question, what, what became of all those sins? They were just covered over year after year. Decade after decade, century after century, this nation of Israel that was God's covenant people uh, had their sins covered, covered, covered. They had to have daily sacrifices for daily sins because people just constantly sinned. And as time went on, again and again and again, the nation of Israel failed to keep the covenant. And all of those promises and blessings were taken from them. They ended up in a very bad place place of captivity and a place of loss of their beloved land. Now, um, in John chapter 20, 
verses 11 to 17. And uh, we're going to put up, I'll give you the signal when to put up that verse. I'm just going to read a few verses first. In fact, um, this is what Marlene led, uh, read earlier. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb, and he saw two angels. She saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? And she said, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Hmm. You know what I believe this morning on this Easter celebration? You're going to hear the voice of Jesus to your heart today. It's my prayer. And then this is what Jesus said. And you can put the scripture up. Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now this is, this is Easter Sunday morning. It's the first day of the week. And it's very early in the morning. And Mary encounters this risen Christ. And she just longed to embrace him. Long to touch him. Long just to worship at his feet. And Jesus said, no, don't touch me. Because I have something I must do. And so he said, I have to ascend to the Father. And when I come back, it'll be different. You can touch me. Now later on that same day, whenever the disciples were gathering together and and Thomas was there, and they were debating with Thomas. He said, he can't be risen. They had all, the rest of the disciples had seen him. And, and Thomas said, unless I, I see the place where his, his side was pierced with a, with a sword, and, and unless I can see in his hands the place where the nail, nails went through, I, I will not believe. And suddenly, with the doors being shut, Jesus walked in. And he came, and he said, Thomas, Put forth your hand and touch my hands and place your hand at my side where the spear went through. And he said, Thomas, don't be faithless, but believe. And Thomas bowed and he said, my Lord and my God. He had a revelation that this man was not, that Jesus was not just a man, but he was God himself. So in the garden in the morning, Jesus said to Mary, don't touch me. And in the evening to Thomas, he said, touch me. What had happened in between? What had taken place? Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 18, and every high priest, this is referring to the Old Testament, stands minist excuse me, ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice 
which can never take away sins. All they can do, the blood of bulls and goats and animals and all the Old Testament sacrifices, all it can do is take the sins of the priest and of the people and cover it, atone for it, cannot take it away. But this man, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice, not many, but one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. From that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Wow, one offering. When did he offer that offering? It was in that interval on that res first resurrection day where he ascended into heaven. He offered to the Father at the, in the Holy of Holies, the tabernacle of God, the tabernacle that is a heavenly dwelling place. He offered the righteous blood of the new covenant, his own blood, untainted by Adam's sin, untainted by his own sin, it was pure, spotless blood of the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It doesn't just cover it. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with him after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds, the sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. The word remission is the New Testament word that takes the place of atonement in the Old Testament. Atonement is about our sins being covered. Remission is about our sins being removed, being remitted by one perfect sacrifice made by one perfect priest. The Greek word is ephesus. To remove, to take away. Now, brothers and sisters, this morning, where are your sins? Are you kind of like the Old Testament, wandering around in the wilderness, in a barren, dark place, cold? You feel alone. It's, you feel like well, you're your own scapegoat. Your life is dark. You're conscious of sin. You've, you've prayed to God, oh God, take away my sins, will you please? And then you come back the next week and you say, oh God, I need another offering. And, and, and sometimes people are taught that the, the, the mass or the, the communion is, is the offering of the blood of Christ again and again and again. The Bible says no. The Bible says one offering 
one time for the sins of the world. A perfect, complete transaction that is final. It's, it's the final, final judgment against sin. It's the blood of Jesus. Remission of sins. Remission of sins. Do I just come to God and I say, oh God, here's my sins. There are so many. My heart is so black. Will you, Lord, just, just cover them for me again? And next week, I make the same mistake again. And I put my sins before the Lord. I come to church, come to the communion table. God, will you just cover my sins? And you, and you say that over and over and over again. But they're always still there. If that's what your understanding of the blood of Christ is, then you're locked into an Old Testament, Old Covenant understanding of what Jesus did for you and for me on the cross. So when I say, Jesus, what will you do with my sins? What will you do with my sins? What will you do? Jesus? Will you help me? What are you going to do with my sins? Are you going to cover them? What are you going to do? Are you going to cover them or are you going to remit them? It's going to remit them. So what does that mean? There they go. Where are my sins? They're not atoned for. They're remitted. They're not covered. They're taken away. And that's the power of the cross. That's the power of the new covenant. And so what about all those Old Testament saints like Moses and Abraham and David and, and, and tens of thousands of others? Well, what happened to their sins? Because all that really happened to them is that they were just covered and sent off into the wilderness until the next time. And then, and then again, for the, sent off into the wilderness until the next time with through the scapegoat and time after time. What happened to them? What effect did the cross of Jesus, his resurrection, his death, the blood that he shed, have on them? Well, Matthew 27, verses 51 to 53. That moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And the earth shook. This is the day of the cross. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. And they came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Wow. Yo, bro. My name's David. I'm the king of Israel, at least it was. I just thought I'd check out the city. That is where I, I, I reign from. It's so great to be here. And you know why I'm here? 
Because my, my sins were not just atoned for. Jesus just died and rose again. And they're remitted. They're gone. He took them away. And so here I am. By the way, my name is Moses. How are you? You are a daughter of Israel. You didn't expect to see me here in Jerusalem today, did you? But do you know why I'm here? Because the veil in the temple that separated man from the holy place of God, it's gone. And can you imagine the people of, of, of Jerusalem that day saying, what? You're putting me on. You're not Moses. You're not. Oh, yes, I am. And there was something that would bear witness with them. As I don't know how many people were resurrected that day, but I know the reason why they were resurrected. Because Jesus ascended into the holy of holy places to offer once and for all the sins that would remit, the offering that would remit us from our sin. Take them away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you wandering around in the wilderness today? Struggling with temptation and sin, having a sin consciousness? Or are you a believer in the cross, in the covenant, in Jesus? We're going to go into communion in just a few moments, so would you go down and tell the children? Marlene? Yeah. Or somebody? Okay, Diane, thank you. One more scripture. What does it all mean? By the way, are you glad your sins aren't just atoned for? They're remitted. Remission of sins. You won't find the word atonement in the New Testament. But you will find the word remission over and over and over again. Therefore, brothers and sisters, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Where are you today on this Easter Sunday? Discouraged because of your personal failure? Thinking that God could never love you or God could never redeem you because you blew it too many times? Are you living in such a consciousness of guilt or sin that it's like you're in the Old Testament wandering around in a wilderness bound by guilt, by the shame of your life, what you've done, what you haven't done that you should have done? Well, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, Right here, right today, you can embrace a new way of living. You can embrace a life that is a full assurance of faith. 
a full confidence. You can come nigh into the very holy presence of God knowing that through his blood your sins are gone. Now if you make a mistake along the way, the Bible says that Jesus is our high priest and he ever lives to make intercession for us. Why do we need intercession? Why do we need him to do that? Because we do make mistakes. And so he is there to apply the power of remittance of sin as soon as we just ask him. He is interceding for us. So listen, if the promises of God in the Old Testament, if the blood that was shed by blood and, uh, of bulls and goats could cause healing for the people, could cause prosperity for the people, could cause the people to be blessed, could cause their enemies to be defeated. Let me ask you this question, because the Bible asks it, how much more will the blood of Jesus do exceedingly abundantly what God even did in the Old Testament? Listen, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's stand and rejoice and give him praise together. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, Lord. Blessed be your name. Worship team, come. Will you do that? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lift your hands and just give him thanks. We praise you, Jesus. Oh, the power of the blood of Christ. The power of his resurrection. The power. Ooh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Daryl, I'd like you to read lead that song again, Greatest Day in History. Would you do that? Thank you, Lord. This morning, that God ministered to you by His Spirit to bring the power of the blood of the cross to you. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, you can start a brand new life. You can begin a whole new way of living. You can find that all of the mistakes of the past, they're not just covered 